Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Good to see you this morning. Well, we're in, we're in Acts chapter 16. If you remember, last weekend, Pastor Scott preached on the fact that Paul wanted to take Timothy on his missionary journey, but Paul, but Timothy came from a blended family. His mother was a, was Jew, was a Jew and his father was Greek. And so he had not been circumcised. And so in order for him, for Paul to take him on that missionary journey, Timothy had to allow Paul to circumcise him first. So I want to continue here in this text, beginning at verse six, verses six through ten. And it says, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. That was their intention, but God prohibited that. So passing by uh, Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they were headed one direction, but then God appears or a man appears in a dream and they change directions. I want to take a few moments today to talk to us on how to hear the voice of God. On hearing the voice of God. This is maybe for those of you who are seeking wisdom, that you need to know how to hear the voice of God, to get the wisdom of God, to get the direction of God. But this also pertains toward the end of this message about when people come to you and, and, and they're asking you for wisdom as they seek wisdom. Listen, the Bible says that God desires to share his secrets with those who fear him. Right? The book of Proverbs says that God shares his secrets with those who fear him. I don't know about you, but I want God to share some secrets with us. Right? Listen, I don't share. Some of, some of you think that a secret is something you tell to one person at a time. That's not a secret, right? So I want to talk to you on that thought. So let me just begin by saying this. There is no relationship without communication. Right? If you may be married in here today and you may have a marriage license hanging on a wall in your house. But if you never speak to your, your, your mate, all you have is a license. You don't really have a marriage. Right. Because real communication or real relationship comes out of real communication and real communication is a two way street. 
We speak to one another. We share with one another. It's not just me speaking and Tara listening. That wouldn't fly at my house. I don't know about your house, but that don't fly at my house. Right? Because communication is both parties speaking and sharing and learning from one another. Can I just remind you? So it is with God. That a real relationship with God, a real time of prayer with God, isn't just you talking and saying amen and walking away, that God wants to speak as well. That a real relationship with God comes as both parties are speaking and sharing. Do you remember what Psalms 46.10 says? Be still and know that I am God. Can I just tell you, sometimes we don't know the hand of God because we don't listen to the voice of God. And that our prayer time is just us talking to God. And sometimes I think we're just talking and God's like wanting to say, hey, I got something to say. Well, God, let me tell you what else I need. Well, listen, sometimes we just got to shut up and listen. Right? That we bring our prayers, that we bring our, our needs, that we bring our petitions, that we bring our requests to God. But then sometimes we just got to stop and be still and listen and let the voice of God be our, our, our wisdom. Let the voice of God give us the direction that we need. Can I tell you that it's okay? I know that many of us grew up in traditional religion. But can I just tell you, it's okay for you to question God. It's okay. It's okay because that's what a relationship is. There's authenticity. There's vulnerability. Listen, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a time with a dad who, when he said something, you didn't get to go. But dad, can I just do it? Right. Well, dad, can I can can I can I ask ask, just why that? Because I said it. Just do it. Right now, let's that's not how we raise our kids, because I don't think that's the healthiest way. We allow our kids to appeal. That means when they go, hey, can I go sleep at so and so's house? No, you can't. Hey, can I appeal? Well, sure. As long as you're appealing with respect. Right. And understanding authority. Sure, you can appeal because sometimes our kids give us information that we didn't even realize. Right. And we want a two way relationship, not just a dominant relationship from us down. That doesn't mean we're peers with our kids. But we but we want our kids to have a voice because you can't have a relationship without voice. Can I give you a counseling thought real quick? There are times when I'm in counseling with people and dealing with parental stuff and the parent is really hard on the kids. And and he goes, well, that's how my dad raised me. That's how it was when I that's just how I grew up. And I regularly go, hey, tell me about your relationship with your dad today. Oh, we don't talk. (laughs) Well, just because it's what you know doesn't mean it's healthy. Right? Because the fruit it produced wasn't good. Can I just tell you 
that God wants a relationship with require, which, which requires communication both ways and it requires vulnerability and authenticity? Can I take you to the Garden of Gethsemane? Philippians chapter 2, I may have shared this with you, but Philippians chapter 2 tells us that Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, came to earth, made himself of no reputation, took on the form of a servant and died on the cross for us. He knew that was his purpose. But when you go to the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was betrayed, what do we find? We find Jesus going, Lord, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. This is Jesus. This is Jesus the night before he is to fulfill his purpose. And three times, three, three times. That's my good LCA education. Um, three times. Three times he goes to God, the father, and says, I don't want to do this. The last time he literally says, Abba, Dad, Daddy, I, Dad, I don't want to do this. Can I, just, can I just share a thought with you? Because sometimes in the church, when people are struggling with doing what God called them to do, we just tell them to quote the right scripture and say the right things and move forward. We just we have our little our little scriptures that we quote. Right. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I'm the head and not the tail. We we start quoting the right scriptures. But can I just tell you, Jesus, our example, got vulnerable with his father and said, God, I don't want to do this. And sometimes we miss the vulner, the 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 uh, the depth of a relationship with God because we're not willing to be vulnerable with God. And when you go read through the Psalms, you see over and over again, David going to God saying, God, I don't know what you're thinking. God, I don't know if you know what you're thinking. Right. You see in Scripture, the people that we quote and read about going to God with reverence, understanding his authority and his place in their life, but still being authentic and questioning God with respect and reverence. Because that's what a relationship looks like. So if you do all the talking in your relationship with God, you have a dysfunctional relationship with God. So how do we determine whether our thoughts and ideas are from God? How do we help someone else determine what they're feeling or hearing is from God? Because this is a point of confusion for many people. Let me remind you that first Corinthians in first Corinthians 12, the Bible talks about God giving gifts. And one of those gifts is the gift of discernment. And and there's a place for spiritual authority. And we're going to talk about that. But I also want you to know that God wants you to walk with a spirit of discernment. And you should pray daily for a spirit of discernment. I pray every day, God, give me a spirit of discernment. Help me to be sensitive to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And you should pray that as well. Because there's a place of taking your your thoughts and your vision to someone else. But there's also a place of you being able to hear and discern by the power of the Holy Spirit on your own. 
Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. I don't know about you, but I could tell some stories of going a direction that I thought God wanted me to go, and it didn't end up very well. And part of that is because I was flying solo. Following what you think may be God when it's not can lead you into a really bad season. First John chapter four, verse one, don't believe everything you hear just becomes just because someone says it is a message from God. Test it first to see if it really is. So I just want to give you seven points in order to test the direction of God or to test the, 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 the leading of God today. John 7, 17, anyone who wants to do his will can test this teaching and know whether it's from God or whether I'm making it up. That's Jesus in the temple when Jesus was in the temple teaching and the religious leaders said, how, how can this be from God? This man's never even had schooling. And this was Jesus's response. Anyone who wants to do his will can test what I'm saying and know whether it's from God or whether I'm making it up. Jesus tells us we can test what he says. These seven tests form a filter in which God's will flows through. So let me give you these seven things very simply. Number one, does it agree with the Bible? Does it agree with the Bible? Now, that may seem very basic, but there are times that any pastor, any leader can tell you that there have been times when people come and they want to do what they want to do, even though it doesn't agree with the Bible. Listen, God's word never contradicts his will. God's will will never contradict his word. If it's not in his word, it's not his will. God will never tell you to ignore biblical principle in order to do what you think you should do. And let me remind you, God doesn't change. God doesn't change. Hebrews 13, 8 says he's the same today, yesterday, today and forever. Right. Malachi chapter three, verse six. God said, I am the God that changes not. So when we go to his word. Because, listen, if you want to know the will of God, you got to spend time in the word of God because his word is his will. And this many times is our starting point. We go prayer and we go his word because God's word is his will for us. And his truth is eternal. Amen. Luke 21, verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Listen, God's truth never changes. But let's be honest. I'm, I'm not a very good salesman. I got to be honest. My, you know, my parents own furniture stores. I didn't I never met my quota. <laughs> Seriously, eventually my parents said, hey, listen, you, you're not a salesman. Go manage people. Or, so then I, a non-salesman was managing salespeople. I, I don't know. Maybe that's why we're, that, maybe that's why we're no longer in business. I don't know. 
I was never a good salesman. Can I tell you where I'm a really good salesman at? Convincing myself of what I want to do. I can sell myself on things like nobody else. I own stuff that I convinced myself I needed to have that I've never used. You know. I've been in relationships I never should have been in, but I convinced myself it was what I needed in the season and it cost me. There are friendships that I've had that were costly in my life. Even though people around me warned me about it, I I sold myself on why it was good for me. Because we can sell ourselves like nobody else. Right? I remember when Tara and I did the Dave Ramsey plan and got out of debt. When Tara and I got married, somebody gave us the Dave Ramsey Total Money Makeover gift uh, book as a wedding gift. I got mad. Like, who gives a money book as a wedding gift? If you didn't have that, that's a re-gift for sure, I promise you. And if you're in the room, you owe me. I literally put it on the shelf. Put it on the shelf and, and vowed not to read it. And about a year later, Tara read it and said, you got to read this book. I said, I'm not reading that book. No, seriously. And then she, then she, because she, women have all been through the school of deceit from Delilah, right? <laughs> women have graduated from Delilah's school of deceit and they know. And this is what she said to, to me. Hey, just read the stories. Sure. Well, I read the whole book and we did the Ramsey plan and we got it. But listen. We were following a plan, but every time I walked in to Best Buy, there was something I had to have. <laughs> I remember one of Tara and I's biggest fights after we got out of debt. I said, I wanted you bar. It was a bike. I wanted a bike because, as you can tell, I'm really into fitness. And so <laughs> I wanted a bike. And I told Tara, I said, I want this bike and it's $600. And she goes, David, that's fine. Let's just put it in the budget. And in probably three or four months, you can get the bike. Uh, the budget? Why did we spend all that headache getting out of debt if I got to put it in the budget? And I remember telling her, I'm buying that bike. She's like, David, but we're doing the budget. We're doing... I can't tell you how many times I prayed against Dave Ramsey. <laughs> And I remember going to bed mad and I woke up the next morning and when I woke up, this isn't even in my sermon. Anyway, but this is a good story. If Pastor Scott were here, he'd say, go with it. All right. So I woke up and when my eyes opened, all of our financials were on my nightstand. And I, I, I woke Tara. I said, Tara, what's this? And she said this. This is Delilah's school. It's a seat. So. She says, you know, last night after I went to bed, I realized you really are better at finances than I am. I want you to take everything over. I'm like, oh, I don't need a bike that bad. We put it in the budget. Yeah, that's that two way communication. Go on, Frank. So, but listen, we can sell ourselves on things like nobody else can. 
We got to hear the voice of God. Amen. Galatians 1.8, even if, an, if we are an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. So first of all, does it line up with the word of God? Secondly, does this make me more like Christ? Let me remind you today, Jesus is our standard. It's why we dedicated little Dax to the Lord today, right? It's why we do dedicate, because Christ is our standard. He is our example. And God's purpose for our lives is that we would be more like Christ. Philippians chapter two, verse five. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Listen, the will of God is that we would think like God. Right. When we go back to Philippians chapter two, Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but left heaven, came to earth, made it, took on the form of a servant. And then it follows it up with now let now now go and be like Christ. Walk in humility, serve others. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse five. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When you're looking at God, looking at doing something, ask yourself, does this line up with the word of God? And is this going to create in me uh, a desire or the fruit of being more like Christ? Right. So forever we were wearing WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do? Would Jesus do this? Would Jesus feel this way? Would Jesus act this way? Would Jesus think this way? James chapter 3, verses 14 and 17. If you harbor bitterness, bitter envy and selfish ambition, such wisdom is of the devil. How many of you know there are times when we do things out of bitterness or envy? Oh, it's just me. <laughs> right? We do things out of bitterness some of you have been married before. We do things out of bitterness. You ain't even been married the first time. <laughs> right? Or we do things out of envy. You know the difference between jealousy and, jealousy and envy? Jealousy is I want what Frank has. Envy is I don't want Frank to have what he has. But there are times when we do things out of bitterness or envy and it's costly. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, such wisdom is of the devil. The wisdom that comes from God. Listen to this. Put put what you want to do through this filter. The wisdom that comes from God is pure. It's peace loving. It's considerate. It's submissive. It's full of mercy. It's impartial. And it is sincere. An idea motivated or directed by bitterness or envy will never be from God. It's contrary to his word. Number three, does my spiritual authority confirm it? Now, when we talk about spiritual authority, we're talking about it. That may be a pastor. That may be a leader. That may be an elder. That might be somebody that you're walking with in relationship with you that has some age, maybe not just in years, but not just um, in, in, in age, but in wisdom from serving the length of time they serve God. But does, does, it, does my spiritual authority confirm it? Listen, we were never meant to live life alone. God created us for relationship. 
Yesterday, we attended the funeral of Pastor Scott Branningham's wife there in Broussard. And Pastor Gabe gave us this thought that death is something that we never get used to. Because we were never intended to be separated by death. It was never God's will for us. So God created us for a relationship. And whenever a relationship is taken from us, it's all, it always hurts. Because that's the way God intended it. Because he, ne- he intended us to live and thrive within community. I don't know about you, but I love being a part of this church family. Our family, we've only been here, I don't know, four months. We love y'all. Like, we love being here. Like, our kids leave going, man, we love Midtown. Oh, Sha. They're like, I want to appeal. <laughs> we really do. We love Midtown. We love the spirit that's here. There's a spirit here that's just different. And I don't mean from other OSC camps. I just mean there's just a spirit here that's healthy and good and different. But we just love being a part of a spiritual family. We love being a part of a family where I'm helping you and you're helping me. Because that's what spiritual family is. And that is something that we all need. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. God's intent is that through the church. Listen to this. The manifold wisdom of God should be made. Should be made known. Listen. There's wisdom here. There's wisdom here. Proverbs eleven nine: 9. The wisdom of the righteous can save you. We need to learn from others. And the question I would ask you today is, who are the people you're learning from? Who are the people you're learning from? Because if you're, fly, if you're flying solo, you're probably going to fly into some trouble. And if you're flying solo, it's not what God intends for you. God put you in the family. Benefit from the family. I feel kind of mafia-ish, mafia-ish right now. <laughs> Benefit from the family. Do you have godly relationships? Listen, there are men's Bible studies that happen almost every day of the week. Men, are you in a Bible study? There are men's Bible studies that happen almost every day of the week. Are you in one? I just saw a wife elbow her husband. You're in trouble, son. Listen, there are small groups that are going to be happening soon. Get in one. Be a part of one. Build relationship. Benefit from where God has you. If you want to make fewer mistakes, pursue godly counsel. Now listen, let me just tell you. This is, there are times when you go to godly counsel and you walk away with some conflict, you still got to go to God and pray. Right? Because God has given you a spirit of discernment. I remember when Tara and I got, we're about to get married. You know, I didn't get married until I was 36. I know it's hard to believe as good looking as I am. But, 
I had two non-negotiables. I would never marry someone who'd been married before. Everybody who knew me knew that I would never marry someone who'd been married before. And there was no way I was marrying someone with a child. Well, Tara had been married before and she has a child. And I remember we, we, my relationship with her daughter was so good. I mean, it was good. And the day we told her we were getting married, she, six years old, she looked at me and said, I don't want you to live with us and I don't want you to marry my mama. That's what I said. And it messed with me. It messed with me. And we literally sat down with godly counsel. Because I, I was about to back out. She was about to want to experience the worst loss of her life by me backing out. <laughs> Seriously, I really was. I told her, I said, I, don't, I, can't, I can't mess up a kid's life. And we sat down with Dan and Bambi Panagiotis because they had been through what we were go, about to go through. And they literally walked us through that and gave us wisdom to pursue God's will, right? Listen, it's why God's put you in a family. Number four, is it consistent with how God wired me? Is it consistent with how God wired me? Listen, God made you for a purpose and he wired you accordingly. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 Everyone should memorize this verse of scripture. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God didn't just think today of something good. You should. He planned it before you were ever born. But he wired you for what he planned you for or created you for. Don't force something that you weren't created for. Romans 12, 6, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Who God calls, God equips. Think about this. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. You know know what he's also implying? That there are certain things that we don't do well. If I come to you and say, God's called me into the music ministry to go and sing and travel and sing... You better start bringing some groceries to my house because we're going to be hungry quick. <laughs> right? If God, if God wanted me to go in the music ministry, he'd give me a voice. And can I just tell you? Here's a thought for you. Our, in, our human nature is sometimes we want what we don't have. Right? When I was single, I would do singles conferences. And I'd raise my hand and get, I, I mean, I'd ask him, how many of you want to be married? Raise your hand. And I'd follow that up with, you know, that there's a whole lot. of Most of you want to be married. There's a whole lot of married people who want to be single. That's right. Because right? we want what we don't have. That was allowed. That's right. All right. So <laughs> I'm going to assume you're single. And your husband's not here. All right. So. Because there are sometimes we want to do Something just because we can't find out what God wired you for and pursue that. There's a whole lot of people struggling 
because they're trying to do something that goes against what God created them for. Does that make sense? Just because you love to do something doesn't mean you're good at it. I sing great at home. My kids can tell you. I write songs all the time. And I tell my kids, one day I'm coming out with my own CD. They're like, Dad, we ain't buying it. Listen, God's leading won't contradict what he's gifted you to do. Now, that doesn't mean God won't stretch you. Don't misunderstand me, because there are times when God stretches us. Right. But again, you got to be leading. You got to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, let me just give you a, a couple of thoughts for when you're helping someone else determine the direction of God. Number one, or, or, or this is number five in our list. Ask yourself this question. Does it concern me? Does it concern me? I, I have a counseling center um, and and not long ago I was counseling a, a pastor. He was an associate pastor of a different church, totally different denomination than us. To, just so not just don't get your brain trying to figure out who this was. And, I, and, and he was in conflict with his pastor, his boss, his pastor. And it was very, very specific. And it, it was, depending on the direction he went, like it was about to change a whole lot of stuff. And I literally had to stop him about 20 minutes, 20 minutes into the session and said, hey, I'm the wrong person. You need to go to your authority. And that may not be your pastor. That may be somebody in your state office, right, in that denomination. But this doesn't concern me. And I have the potential to do more harm than good here. And you need to go. You need to process up within your organization. There are times when we want to speak to stuff that we have no business speaking to. Right. Because there are some people who always want to give their opinion. And sometimes we have to step back and be honest and be willing to say, hey, this I'm not the right person. This doesn't concern me. John 21, 22. Jesus is speaking and says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And Jesus is speaking here to Peter, who is questioning John's position in the flock and Jesus is saying, hey, hey, Peter, this doesn't even concern you. This is about my will, not your will, not your will or your opinion. Romans 14, four, who are you to judge someone else's servant to his own master? He stands or falls and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. Sometimes you've got to back away and say, hey, this is outside of me. You got to go somewhere else. All right. Number five or number six, is it convicting or condemning? This this applies in this sermon, but it also applies in our everyday life. I want to give you some understanding here. There are two words in scripture. Number one, there is conviction. And number two, there is condemnation. Let me remind you, conviction always comes from the Holy Spirit and always draws us to Christ. Condemnation always comes from the devil and it always draws us away from Christ. 
And when you feel that, that thought, when you feel you need to ask yourself, is this drawing me to Christ or away from Christ? Right. Because you mess up and you do something that you told God you wouldn't do. The Holy Spirit comes and says, hey, first John 1, 9, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And listen, make things right with God. The Holy the devil comes and says, look what you did. You did it again. You said you wouldn't do it again. God's not going to forgive you. Right. He's leading you away. And you need to ask yourself, is this conviction that's drawing me to Christ or condemnation drawing me away from Christ? Romans 8, 1. There is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Number seven. Do I feel God's peace about it? Do I feel God's peace about it? If you're filled with anxiety and confusion, that may be a sign that it's not God. First Corinthians 14, 33. God is not the author of confusion. Confusion typically comes from some other voice. Satan wants to drive us compulsively. God wants to lead us compassionately. Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Listen, the peace of God will sustain us even in a storm. Proverbs 22, 17, listen to this wise advice, follow it closely for it will do you good and you can pass it on to others. John 8, 47, he who belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you don't hear is that you don't belong to God. Listen, scripture says that the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. Can I just tell you, I don't know where you're at and what you're dealing with and what you're trying to figure out. But it is not God's will for you to wander in a desert that God didn't intend for you. God wants to lead you and God wants to guide you and God wants to share his secrets with you. Hey, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to I want to do two things as we wrap up. The first thing I want to say is this. You can't expect the wisdom and of God, the voice of God and the direction of God if you're not walking in a relationship with God. God has so much for you. God has so much for us. But it begins with us saying yes to him. It begins with us saying, God, I, 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 wanna, I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my Lord. In John chapter 3, there's a religious leader who comes to Jesus. His name is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says, tell me what I must do to get to heaven. In that moment, Jesus could have said all kinds of things. He could have said, you got to be a part of a church. 
He could have said, you got to give to the church. He could have said, you got to do good stuff. This is what Jesus said. He said, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven, nor will you see the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. And Nicodemus questions Jesus and says, born again, what does that mean? I can't enter back into my mother's womb. Listen, to be born again is the day that you say yes to Jesus. I was born on February 17th, 1966. But when I was seven years old, I stood and I said yes to Jesus. And I've had good days and bad days since then, but I've never been the same. And really, it's as simple as ABC. It's admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior. It's be believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he died on a cross and he was resurrected three days later. And see, you confess him as Lord. And let me just remind you that religion makes it difficult to get to God, but God made it easy. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be born again. You know why? Because he wants a relationship with you. So maybe you're here today and you've never committed your heart to Christ. The Bible says that today is a day of salvation. You don't have to leave today without making a commitment to Christ. Will you do that today? One, listen, don't worry about who's here. Don't worry about what this one thinks or that one thinks. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is this, is that God is here. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Two, God forbid, but any one of us could be called at some point to stand in, 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 in eternity, to give an account for our lives. The question today is, would you be ready? Really, the better question is this. Do you want to be ready? Salvation doesn't make you perfect. But through salvation, the blood of Christ washes away all of your sin. Three, are you ready? Lift your hand all this, over this auditorium. You want to make a commitment to Christ. Just lift your hand and put it right back down. I promise you I won't embarrass you. I won't, stab you. I won't have you stand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray a prayer with you. Now listen, the prayer doesn't save you. It's the state of your heart that puts you in relationship with God. I just want to help articulate what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart right now. I'm going to ask every believer in this room to pray along in support of you. Can we all pray together? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe that you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Can we celebrate with these today? All right, I, want you, I just want you to bow your heads one more time. I just want to ask this simple question. 
If you're here today and you say, I need wisdom and direction for a specific situation I'm dealing with, I just want you to lift your hand right now and keep it up. Just keep your, just keep your hand raised. Now I want everybody to look up and look around. And here's why. Because the enemy wants to convince you that you're the only one in that position. The truth is we all need the wisdom of God. We all need the direction of God. And sometimes it's general, but sometimes it's very specific, which is why you're raising your hand. You can put your hands down. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Father, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you today that the children of God are led by the spirit of God. Holy Spirit, we pray, give us a spirit of discernment. Let, it, let us, Lord, be sensitive to your leading and your guiding. And Lord, we know that it is your will to show us your will. Father, Lord, forgive us for not being in your word. But forgive us for thinking that we would know the will of God without going to the word of God. But Father, I pray right now for every person that raised their hand. And I pray that you would speak to them that you would lead them and that you would guide them by the peace of God that only you can bring. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.